You're listening to Comedy Central. Um, did you see that Space Force has, they finally got their uniforms. Like they got like a, yeah, no, they got, like I didn't even know Space Force was still a thing. I thought it was one of those things where it's like Trump was like Space Force and then it would just go, but apparently it's like a thing now and they got their uniforms, but I don't know if you've seen them. You should actually Google it. It's just like normal uniforms and the pants are just baggy, but it's not like, you know, like I wanted like, they should have got like Kanye to do, you know what I mean? Like he, he looks like he makes alien clothes. Like I feel like if aliens invaded Earth, they'd be like, yo guys must die all at, whoa, this guy. Yeah, what's that fashion, my man. Coming to you from the heart of Times Square, the most important place on Earth, it's The Daily Show, Ears Edition. Tonight, submarine warfare, COVID takes the gold, and Representative Pete Aguilar. This is The Daily Show with Trevor Noah. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to The Daily Show. I'm Trevor Noah, and today is Tuesday, September 21st. Let's kick things off with the coronavirus pandemic the only thing that's gone on longer than someone explaining Bitcoin to you. In fact, it's gone on so long, it just broke a 100-year-old record. COVID-19 is now the deadliest pandemic in our nation's history. That grim distinction was made official by Johns Hopkins University. On Monday, the U.S. surpassed 675,000 COVID-related deaths, which is more than the estimated U.S. fatalities from the 1918 Spanish flu pandemic. But at that time, the U.S. population was about 103 million, less than a third of today's 330 million. COVID, number one pandemic of all time. We did it, baby, we did it. You know, I don't know what's worse, that COVID has killed more Americans than any other pandemic, or that this won't change anything. Because let's be honest, the people who are scared of COVID were already scared back when like 10 people died. And everyone else is still gonna be like, ah, I heard more people die from shark attacks. Now, just to be clear, the Spanish flu killed a higher percentage of the population, right? So technically, it is still more deadly. But then again, I don't think we can trust the numbers from 100 years ago. Like nobody knew if you died because of the flu or just because it was 1918. But population size aside, America shouldn't be surpassing 1918 numbers. Can we agree on that? They shouldn't even be getting close to those numbers. I mean, think of the modern advantages that we have made. Think of every advantage that we have since then, right? We've got mRNA vaccines. We've got better masks. I mean, back in 1918, doctors were euthanizing women because they didn't know how to handle the bleeding coming out of their lady parts. In 1918, they didn't have iPhones to track the disease. They were probably using Palm Pilots. And although the COVID pandemic continues to rage around the US, one state where things are going normal is California, which now has the lowest COVID rates in the country. And within California, few places are doing better than San Francisco. Yeah. What they do there is they fill all the empty syringes on the ground with Pfizer and then they just wait for people to step on them. It's very effective. So now the mayor of San Francisco is celebrating their success by ending the city's masking rules. The only catch is she's only ending them for herself. San Francisco Mayor London Breed is under fire after video has come to light that shows her maskless, dancing and singing during a live indoor performance by the 90s R&B group Tony, Tony, Tony. That is Breed there on the left, and her critics are seizing on this, saying that she violated her own health department's masking order, which came out in August, and applies to the vaccinated, like the mayor, and the unvaccinated. When confronted about this, Mayor Breed was defiant. There was something that was really 
um, monumental that occurred, and that is Tony, 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 the original members who have not performed in public for, I believe, at least over 20 years. And the fact that that is getting lost here is very unfortunate. I was there, I was eating, and I was drinking, and I was sitting with my friends, and everyone who came in there was vaccinated. No, I'm not gonna sip and put my mask on, sip and put my mask on, sip and put my mask on, eat and put my mask on. While I'm eating and I'm drinking, I'm gonna keep my mask off. Man, COVID truly is a mystery virus. It kills your sense of smell, it can make you sick for years, but you can't catch it when 90s R&B is playing. Something tells me this thing was made in the lab. It seems too specific. Def Jam? I thought so. Oh, and uh, as for the mayor, I feel like she's using some pretty interesting reasoning there, right? She's like, I know I said people have to wear masks indoors, but Tony, Tony, Tony was playing for the first time in 20 years, and I wanted us to try and kill them. <laughs> people, can we, can we agree that this kind of hypocrisy is bullshit, right? This doesn't help the conversation in America at all. It doesn't help any of the conversations around COVID, right? Leaders can't make rules that everyone has to follow and then give us attitude when they get caught breaking their own rules. Because the only way the mayor's actions made any sense is if COVID was also really into Tony, Tony, Tony and agreed to take the night off. Oh, this is my jam. Now nah, relax, relax. You don't need a mask tonight. <laughs> yeah, feel good. That's the opposite of my thing, baby. Oh yeah. And finally, let's get into some technology news. TikTok can make almost anything go viral. From recipes to random songs and even Delilios. But the newest TikTok trend is starting to get a little out of control. You may have seen these images on your social media feeds in the last few days. Bathrooms damaged, toilets broken, even keyboards in urinals. It's part of a new viral challenge on TikTok. It is called the Devious Licks Challenge. It apparently encourages people to vandalize their schools. Schools say the vandalism is costing them thousands of dollars a year. TikTok says it's pulling videos with the Devious Licks hashtag. But students are going way outside the box and they're creating similar hashtags to get around it. Folks, educators are begging parents, you must check your kids' social media activity. You might not expect it, but your kids, many of them are involved in this viral movement to steal teachers' purses, clog toilets, deface the fire alarms. It's just ridiculous. Okay, all right. I've got a few thoughts about this story. Um, number one, are we sure we don't want to beat our kids? Like, I'm not, I'm not saying it's right. I'm not saying it's right. But are we sure we want to take it off the table? Because the real name of this trend should be how far can I push this before my parents whip my ass challenge? I'm gonna be destroying your shit. Also, it's not just disrespectful. It's also dumb. You're gonna destroy the toilets in your school? You realize those are your toilets, right? Like, I guess now you're gonna be doing the forced to poop in my backpack challenge. You know, when the US government said that you can't trust TikTok because it's a Chinese plot, I, I won't lie, I didn't believe it. But now, I'm starting to see it, man. Because China, China's figured it out. You don't need to fight this country, no. You just need to convince Americans that they'll go viral and they'll destroy themselves. Ah, it's the Tide Pod Challenge. Ah, it's the Devious Licks Challenge. Ah, it's the Destroy the Electrical Grid Challenge. We did it! Oh, and by the way, I get why they say talk with your kids and make sure they're not part of this trend. 
but I feel like that could also backfire in a major way. Honey, I just wanted to make sure that you're not destroying your school like all those other cool kids on TikTok, yeah? Uh, I wasn't going to, but that sounds awesome. Thanks, Mom, you're the best. All right, let's move on now to our top story. This week is the United Nations General Assembly, which is happening in New York. It's the annual gathering that honestly could just be a Zoom. But all the big names have shown up. President Biden gave a speech, Brazil's Bolsonaro gave a speech, and BTS gave a speech and filmed a music video from inside UN headquarters. Completely real. Yeah, old people were probably watching this like, what the hell is a BTS? And young people were watching it like, what the hell is the UN? But it makes sense for BTS to show up at the UN. I mean, out of all the countries there, they probably have the most powerful army. And obviously, there's a lot of global issues on the agenda. You know, climate change, Afghanistan, finding out who the father of Lil Nas X's baby is. The rap community needs to know. It's devastating them. But there's also a brand new international dispute that's causing a lot of drama. France is furious with the U.S. because of a surprise snub on a $65 billion diesel submarine contract. Originally, France and Australia had shaken hands on the deal, but just last week, Australia changed course and went with the U.S. and U.K. on a new contract for nuclear subs. France was so offended by the faux pas, Macron pulled the French ambassadors to the U.S. and Australia. France's foreign minister is calling the administration's decision unacceptable behavior between allies and partners and a stab in the back of France, which had been trying to sell Australia its less powerful subs. An angry France also canceled a gala in D.C. tonight, celebrating the anniversary of a naval battle that France helped the colonies win in the Revolutionary War. <laughs> okay, look, look, guys. I mean, canceling a party... That's no big deal. But you gotta be pretty angry to cancel a gala. Cause that's a party with like fancy napkins. But yeah, basically Australia had promised to buy some submarines from France, right? But then they decided to ditch France and announced that they were instead gonna buy their submarines from the UK and America. And this whole story shocked me because when I first heard about it, I was like, I didn't even know France and Australia knew each other. Huh. But now it turns out that France is really embarrassed and they're pissed off. So pissed off that they recalled their ambassador to the US, which doesn't sound that crazy until you realize that in 250 years, they've never done that before. Yeah, France was so mad that they've even recalled Timothy Chalamet's name. From now on, we have to call him Timmy Brown. It's just not as sexy. It really isn't. Hey, might as well call me by your name. That's the movie, see what I did there? And you know, guys, France is making such a big deal about this deal that I'm starting to think that they needed this contract to pay the rent or something. And, and, and while France is upset with the UK and Australia, you can tell that they're especially mad at Joseph Robinette Biden because they came at him with the ultimate insult. So the language out of Paris right now is the harshest yet over the new security deal Australia struck with the US and Britain. Well, on Saturday, the foreign minister didn't hide his contempt. I'm really angry. What worries me is the behavior of the Americans. This unilateral, brutal, unpredictable decision looks a lot like what Mr. Trump used to do. Oh, boy, no, tell me you didn't. You did not just throw out the T word at Joe Biden. 
Because you know what's gonna happen next, right? Joe Biden's about to hit you with the clap back. Get him, Joe! <laughs> well, he fell asleep, but when he wakes up, oh boy, you better look out. Now, don't forget, the only reason Australia wants these subs in the first place is because China is becoming more and more aggressive in the region. So when China saw this deal, they also weren't happy. China's accusing the U.S. of stoking a new arms race. Chinese state media warning Australia that it's now an adversary and to prepare for the worst. The uh, sensationalist Chinese state media newspaper, The Global Times, it had a front page article. And in that article, it said that Australia was really marking itself out as an adversary of China. And by making this move, it also made itself vulnerable as a potential nuclear target in the event of open conflict. God damn, China. No wonder Australia's nervous. You guys just jumped straight to nuclear war. Isn't there a gala or something you can cancel first? You know, honestly, I, I think this whole situation could have been avoided. You know, these are submarines, right? They're supposed to be secret. No one knows what's happening. Like, why are you even telling people about them in the first place? If I was Australia, I wouldn't spend billions of dollars on submarines. I'd spend billions of dollars on the people to help with what happened with COVID. And then I would just tell China that I bought the submarines. Because how are they gonna know? It's all underwater. Yeah, we've got a bunch of them. No, no, they're there, they're there. Can't see them? Yeah, that's what, what they're for. Yeah, but we bought a ton. Check my Venmo, you can see where I spent the money. All right, when we come back, Dulce Sloan goes on the street and messes with New Yorkers, so don't go away. Welcome back to The Daily Show. There is so much important news out there these days, so I asked Dulce Sloan to get out on the street and talk to the people to get their opinions about the issues. But Dulce just does what she wants, so she, came back with this. Hello, friends. Usually when I'm on the streets of this trash-ass city, I'm asking people about what they think of the important issues of the day. But I'm not doing that today. Today, I'm gonna be pretending to care about what people say. Because today I'm doing a new game show called Can I Make You Late to Work? Because I can. If my charming small talk can keep these commuters hooked for long enough that they're late to their jobs, I win. What do I win? Who knows? I just feel victorious. Okay, who wants to talk to me? You? Oh, you got someplace else you gotta be? Oh, you trying to get to work on time? What a novel concept. Billionaires going to space, yay or nay? Internet good or bad? No, 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 I gotta go to work. Who wants to talk to me? You? No? Wow, not the witness protection look. Can't talk to you for a second? I don't have time today, No, Sorry. I don't ask you about Thanks. billionaires. I don't have time today, Thanks. Friend, 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 friend. Come, 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 come. Okay, what do you do? Uh, I'm a textile designer. Are you currently trying to go to your job? I am. Where is it? that way. Okay, are you in a hurry? I am actually in a hurry. I was supposed to get to work early. So what time did you have to be at work? Oh, I should be there now. Hmm. This is bad. I don't want to get fired, actually. <laughs> I gotta go. Okay, uh, I just need you to watch this one video. I, I hate skipping ads, though, because I want to know what, you know, what new drugs are out. But if you just watch this video right here, then don't go nowhere. And then we'll be completely done. Don't go nowhere. So, oh, it's a kitten and a puppy. It's just a hair video. Okay, Listen. but like, I really don't have time. Listen, it's just one quick video. Listen, you know, it's just. I'm really sorry. I really no, do wait, gotta go. But, I don't want to get fired. Are you late though? Yes. Yeah! Do you know any TikTok dances? No. I'm working on the TikTok dance and um, I feel like I need some help with it. Okay, that's so what we're gonna do. We're gonna go. And then you did like a cute little walk around. So, you know, give them something to pay attention to. You know, just let them know that like, you was out here, you was working. I'm here for it. And pose. 
pose, amazing. Thank you so much. Well, we're not done, we're not done. So you gotta do it like, you gotta hit us with a bam, and a bam, and a boom, and a boom, and a boom, and a boom, and a great fine. How long is this dance? Cause I, I got somewhere I need to go. Honestly, I've never been on TikTok before, so I don't know how long a dance is supposed to be, you know? Or you can do like a little soft flip, move, you know? All right. Are you late for work? A little bit. Yeah! Sir, hello? Sir, can I talk to you for a second? No, I'm good, thank no, you. No, 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 come back, come back. I will go faster. <laughs> I feel like a girl on Maury who found out that dude wasn't the father. Young man. Are you in a hurry? I am. So what do you do, where are you going? Uh, I'm a programmer, I'm going a, to work. A programmer, okay. I remember my very first computer, it was the one like, oh my God, you're never gonna understand this, or, or even believe it. Because it's like, the first computer you ever saw, the screen was all color. Right? Yep. And like, did you ever like have to use like a floppy disk? I've seen it. I okay. never Okay, so you it. don't know about the floppy disk. What about a dot matrix from like the one they still use at the airport even though nobody knows why? A dot matrix? It's so funny, I cannot wait to hear the end of the story. It's like if Braille was, what, what Braille is, words. What Braille is, maybe Braille's a bad example. If we use a rotary phone, it was a thing from like The Simpsons, and I wasn't sure if my cousin was gonna get it, but then, okay, so we're like hanging out in class. Okay, so what's your name? Jake. That tracks. Okay, Jake, funny story. The camera wasn't on, so we're gonna have to start again. Uh, I'm so sorry, but I, I really have to go. Okay, but are you like to work? I am. Yeah! Oh, that man don't have a ring on. I wanna make him late to work and early for my life. Young man, young man, young man, hold on a second. I saw you didn't have a ring on. How old are you? 25. Oh, God. All right. You. Yes. Sir? Yes, ma'am. Okay. What are you doing? What am I doing? I'm going to work. Okay. Ooh, you doing a crossword? I'm doing a crossword while I'm going to work. Okay. And what do you do? I'm an attorney. What kind of attorney are you? Mostly family and a lot of appellate work. So, Sam getting married to Idris Elba, and you know, he's a big movie star and he's got all these movie things. What would you recommend? I would recommend you oppose a prenup. Oppose a prenup. Yeah, because you have a fighting chance to get some of the stuff he had before the marriage. So you're trying to tell me that you don't think that me and Mr. Elba are gonna last? I, you know what? I don't know, but I'm here to protect you. Rude. I'm the here to protect sir, you. I need you to go to work. You I need, need you my car. No, I don't need you your need car. It is not gonna last forever. It's true love. But you can still give me your car. All right, there we go. Are you the girl in that movie? You know, it's like a rom-com situation, right? Okay, so it's a guy and a girl, and they don't like each other at first. <laughs> Why would they? It's a rom-com. So they're standing there in the elevator, and he's like, what? She's like, what? And he's like, I'm going to the fifth floor. And I was like, I'm going to the sixth floor. You notice there's never a 13th floor in an elevator? I'm not the girl in the movie. You're right, that's not her. All right, so are you going to be late for um, I'm a little like running behind time, yeah. I'm not gonna let you get fired. Come All on. Right. All right. Francis, right. go, 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 go! Thank you so much, Dulce. All right, when we come back, I'll be talking to a member of the committee that's investigating what happened during the Capitol riots on January 6th. So don't go away. Welcome back to The Daily Show. My guest tonight is Congressman Pete Aguilar of California. He's the vice chair of the House Democratic Caucus and is a member of the select committee investigating the January 6th attack. Congressman Aguilar, welcome to The Daily Show. Thanks for having me, Trevor. Um, let's jump straight into it. You are one of the members of the select committee that is going to be investigating the January 6th riots. Now, 
it's really interesting because in America itself, there isn't an agreement on what January 6th was. You know, you have half the country that says, no, these were people protesting, and maybe the protest got a little out of hand, but it was just a protest. And then the other half of the country says, no, this was an insurrection where people try to overthrow the government. To many people, it might seem obvious, you know, in assigning the blame to somebody like Donald Trump, who, who obviously sowed the seeds for what we experienced on January 6th. However, there, there would be others who would argue that many people can plant seeds, you know, we can't hold them accountable for the actions of an extreme few. Because, I mean, relatively, this was a small group of people, you know, it wasn't all 50 million of Trump supporters or people who voted for Donald Trump. So are you worried that this could set a precedent where you say politicians in what they may intimate or, or what they may say in a speech or the ideas they have, should be held accountable for the actions of people who may, you know, take those things in an extreme manner? Well, I, I think that's a fair question to ask, but, you know, ultimately, these individuals, you know, came across police boundaries and lines. They entered a government building without permission. They sought to disturb the certification uh, of the election, uh, which is an official activity. That's ultimately what they're going to be judged by and what the Department of Justice is charged you know, many of them with. The, the, the discussion of what was the president's role, what did he know, uh, what should he have said, or what did he say behind closed doors, um, you know, I hope we can get to that at some point. And, and we're not trying to assign, you know, blame specific to that. Those individuals will, will have to answer to the Department of Justice uh, within our system. But the question is, you know, how do you ensure that this doesn't happen again? Mm -hmm. And how do we ensure that leadership, you know, at the top genuinely means leadership? And uh, the, the role that the president, you know, played in this, um, you know, is a story that, that I hope gets told as well. What's really interesting about this incident is that it's something that affected yourself personally. You know, at, at one point, those people were 15 feet, I believe, from you inside the building. Um, what's interesting, though, is many of your colleagues on the Republican side have said, hey, we weren't afraid. These were just, you know, disgruntled citizens voicing their opinions. This is getting blown out of proportion. It wasn't as bad as it seems. Because they were also in the building or because they were also near the scene of what happened, people are saying, well, who do you give the weight to? How do you go about telling the story and finding the truth in a post-truth era? Well, hopefully, you know, we can just let the, the facts speak for themselves and the chronology of the events, I think, will, will tell the story. And, and, you know, some of my colleagues may say some of those things in public, but, you know, they, they also knew what was outside those doors. And, and we, were, we were there. And there was a lot of uncertainty. Um, you know, I might have been more scared than someone on, on their side of the aisle, but everybody knew that what was happening wasn't, wasn't right. It wasn't normal. And so what we need to do is, is also just kind of dispel that this is this is not normal. This is not this is not how America functions. Um, and I was I was right there by that you know back door uh, as they're you know banging on the door. But you're right. It is a unique situation because we are witnesses as well as participants. Um, and now we're going to have a hand in telling the story of what happened, um, but not in a, in a partisan way, uh, not even in a bipartisan way, in a nonpartisan way is what we seek to accomplish with the work that we're doing. Let's talk a little bit about what you hope that story will achieve. 
You know, there are some who say this story is about getting to the truth. There are obviously those who say, well, the story has been told. You know, the, the, the impeachment hearings, they dealt with this. And some feel like this is the Democrats using the story to bolster their message into the midterms. How do you respond to that criticism? Now, this isn't about, this is just about telling the truth. This is about telling the story. Uh, it isn't about politics. Um, there's a Democrats and Republicans around that table at the elected level, as well as some of the staff members who are working with us have worked for Democratic and Republican administrations alike. And so we're gonna let the product of the work stand on its own. But it's important that we get this right. And one of the things, Jamie Raskin serves on this committee with me and he, he led the second impeachment um, and one of the things he would even admit is we're going to have more information um, when we do this report, uh, when we put out this report next year than they had uh, just weeks after the insurrection. And so that's the, the important piece is the data that we're getting, the interviews, uh, the testimony that we'll receive hopefully will shape a better, uh, more thorough outcome uh, than anything that has been done to date. I want to switch gears for a moment and talk about um some of the other news that is uh, taking place right now in the United States, particularly in and around the border. One of the biggest conversations involves a large group of immigrants from um, Haiti who have come over from South America into the United States, across I believe it's the Rio Grande, and some of the images that have come out of that have now stirred a conversation in and around how does America enforce its borders and what should America be doing in the enforcement of its borders. Now, how do you handle this situation sensitively and do you think the administration is doing a good job of not just handling it, but communicating how they're handling it? Well, I think we can always communicate it better, but let's just step back and I hope the American public, you know, allows us to step back and talk a little bit about why these individuals are fleeing, whether they're fleeing Haiti or whether they're fleeing uh, Northern Triangle countries uh, in Central America, you know, they're fleeing violence and oppression. Many times they're fleeing conditions of climate change as well. And so, you know, these are individuals who are seeking, you know, status as, as refugees um, and, and asylees, and they deserve to go through a process that hears them out um, and that makes a decision as to, as to whether they are allowable and for what reasons. Um, but like you said, there are so many needs economically within this country too, and there are many you know, positions that Americans just won't do the work. And so you know, we're built on, on immigrants. Uh, this is a country that celebrates immigrants, or at least we used to. And we need to make sure that we stay true to that principle. Um, and so, but I agree that there need to be rules of the road and there needs to be a process. Um, and unfortunately, Donald Trump spent years trying to break this immigration you know, system um, and disrupt the process. And so now as the new administration, as the Biden administration is making you know, inroads, um, it's, it's, it's taking a little bit of time. And I think that's what people are seeing. But, but you know, what we are confident in is that we can create a system with rules of the road that allows people um, an opportunity. Well, um, Congressman, thank you so much for the time. I know you probably have to get back in. The bells are gonna start ringing soon, which may um, throw everything off. So uh, thank you so much for joining us. Um, good luck with the committee, and um, hopefully we'll see you again on the show. Thanks so much for having me, Trevor. Appreciate it. All right, we're gonna take a quick break, but we'll be right back after this. 
All right, well, that's our show for tonight. But before we go, I have some exciting news for you. The Daily Show now has a new podcast called Beyond the Scenes. In each episode, Roy Wood Jr. talks to the writers and the producers who make The Daily Show, along with special guests, for a deeper dive into the issues that we cover. Issues like policing, therapy in the black community, and gun control. Think of it this way. Beyond the Scenes is like an extra snack that your mom would put into your lunchbox. It's sweet, it's unexpected, and it's proof that we love you. You can find The Daily Show Beyond the Scenes wherever you get your podcasts. Until then, stay safe out there, get your vaccine, and remember, if you need a submarine, check out French eBay. I think there's a few deals about to pop up. Watch The Daily Show weeknights at 11, 10 Central on Comedy Central, and stream full episodes anytime on Paramount+. Plus. This has been a Comedy Central podcast. 